Hi, I'm Christine Dorr, owner of Neococo. And I'm Tammy Tan, owner of Spicehound. And we are co-owners of Kitchen 519, our shared-use commercial kitchen in the San Francisco Bay Area. Welcome to Lettuce Wrap, the podcast about food, food business, and the people who work in the industry. Today, we have Joel Sakakihara of RJ Toffee. Hi, Joel. Hi, Joel. Hi, Tammy. Hi, Christine. <laughs> Good to see you. Today. Hey, how do you guys know each other? Oh, my goodness. Joel and I met actually at a farmer's market down in San Jose. Yes, I was at a market. And that's how we met. Yes. Right. Right. Because I, so I had um, a kiosk. Yes, Santana Row, you know, it's one of those uh, crazy outdoor malls in San Jose. And I started having a kiosk there just for the whole weekend. But on Sundays, they had a farmer's market on the same street. And so it looked like my kiosk was part of the farmer's market. Eventually, I was like, this is stupid. Why am I here all weekend? Why don't I just do a farmer's market? And then I ended up being placed nearer and next to Joel. Right. So, and we've known each other for like over 10 years now. Wow. Yeah. When, when Time flies. You, yeah. When did you start, actually? I set up the company 2005, but we didn't start selling until a couple years later because we did a lot of tests and development with the formula. So probably about 2007, 2008. Well, what, what do you make? We should say that. Oh. It's a, <laughs> that wasn't in the name already. <laughs> yeah. It's almond toffee. is based off of my grandfather's recipe that he used to make uh, about 60 years ago, a long time ago. And he used to just make it for fun? Or, Fun. Okay. Yeah. So my grandmother used to make it, and her and her sister were the ones that used to make it. And then it's too laborious. So my grandfather decided to take over. And he's diabetic, so he never really tried the toffee, but it turned into a fan favorite all around Hollister. And he had donated it to different charities and to his church as well. And it, he just developed the following. So you call it RJ toffee. What, what did he call it? It was just uh, Sam's toffee. Everyone knew it as Sam's toffee. Ah. So what happened is my, my brother and I, Learned from him. And my brother spent a lot of time with him, apprenticing him, taking notes. And, and let's be clear, he's the R? He's the R, Ryan, yes. And I'm the J. Joel. Yes. <laughs> so we took a couple years and redid some of the aspects of the formula, the ingredients, the ratios. Test. Uh, we did focus group testings. We did a lot of research with surveys to find out what ingredient ratio worked the best, what ingredient, what chocolate worked the best, what butter worked the best. Just for instance, like what kind of chocolate did he use? Do you know? Even He didn't time? use chocolate. It was carob. Oh. Carob chips. Wow. Oh. Very healthy. Yeah. And they don't make those in the quantities that were, you know. So anyways, it was, yeah, that was what he used for his topping or chocolate part. But it's different. It actually tastes a lot different from the original. Because when my grandpa made it, it was, I believe, three-pound batches. And we've scaled it up and changed changed a lot of the processes. So, if you were to compare them, they probably wouldn't taste very identical. But you can fi- find an association that maybe it came from a similar recipe. Do you find there's any loss in that from the original? There could be. Yeah. Yeah. If I had some old toffee to compare it to, I probably would taste a little bit different. But now I'm so used to ours that I, it's hard for me to recall. But I, I did really, I, I love my grandpa's toffee and everyone did. You wonder about that too. I mean, you know, what you tried in your childhood, it, there's nostalgia yes. kind of wrapped Certain around memory. it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So, I mean, who knows? You may even have something much more similar than you think, but because it's wrapped up with all that love. Yeah, definitely. different, right? Right, right. So, in 2005, when you decided that, hey, this could be a viable business, why did you think that? I mean, like, what made you think, oh, it's a family recipe. Now it could actually be something commercial. Right. I think with most food companies, they have people that tell them, oh, this is the best whatever dish I've ever tried. You should start a company. I think that's common. Uh, we hear that all the time. So I heard it and I'm like, oh, yeah, well, maybe I can start a company. <laughs> and I started researching the market of toffee, what's out there. And before we did anything and set up a business, my brother and I both, we did our research. We ordered from all these companies. We looked at which ones were the major players. Uh, we tried to see if we can find information on processes and competitive analysis. Yes. Uh, so we looked at the market and realized that there was not a big company that took over the market. And if we could do it right, perhaps we could be associated with that, with toffee. You know, when people think of gourmet premium toffee, maybe they'll think of RJ. And so because when I ask people, when you think of toffee, what comes to your mind? Almond roca or something else. It, for me, it looked like a market opportunity, a small niche that perhaps that we could get into. And that's when we decided to go forward and change our recipe. And and that's what we did. And did you have a business plan? A, I made one. <laughs> it's kind of dynamic. It, it changed in the process. And we started off with our mission statement. We did... Uh, you know, we did all of our research that goes into the product, but we didn't have an official business plan like from an MBA program or anything. I kind of just went along and it just, the pieces came together. Did you uh, go to business school or culinary school? No, no. I I just taught speech at, at a different colleges, which I still do. So you're self-taught? Yes. And self-educated in business? Yes. I went to college and I worked in business finance before while I was teaching at Long Beach State and other colleges. And so I worked with um, funding companies. And so I had a little bit of background there. And one thing that I miss as I was dealing with financing a company and meeting with the founders and CEOs was that I wish I had that passion for something versus just finding money for a business. And being a part of the process of taking an idea and making it into something that's tangible and that's what I was. That's why I wanted to do this with my brother. Yeah. So you guys are partners then in this business. We are, but yeah, he's not as active anymore with the business. So back when we started, a couple years after, uh, this is when we started working with Costco. His wife passed away, so she was in her mid thirties. He had two daughters to take care of, uh, babies. So you know, my family had to step in and help. And at that point, he could no, no longer be a part of this business. So I ended up taking over and running the manufacturing operations, which originally wasn't supposed to be my part, uh, and then kind of building it from there. And so I ended up taking over the kind of running running the business. But he's still a part of the business. He does certain aspects of it. And hopefully later on, we can come back and, and create new recipes and we can start expanding in different lines. So he was more of the creative in the kitchen? Yes. Person. Yeah, he created, he was really good and methodical with the the formula part of it. And so I've taken what he has created and kind of just scaled it a little bit. Men marketing. Yes, marketing too. And then my cousin was also involved with the marketing, my cousin James. So he did some of our branding, uh, our logo, and coming up with the whole feel and vibe to the company. 
So it's kind of a family affair. I mean, we have a lot, in the beginning, my whole family was helping, and now no one wants to be part of it. <laughs> it's just we had. How a, come? It's like everyone's at the farmers market. Oh, this is fun, exciting, and then later initially. on, initially, initially, <laughs> right? It's exciting, and then after a while, it's like okay. I pay. I've I've done my part. Sure, right, <laughs> including his wife. <laughs> oh, and my wife too. Definitely, she's been a part of the whole journey. Would you consider other partners? I mean, you like the idea of having a partner in the business as opposed to going it alone. Then, yes, definitely. I've I've been looking for a partner for the past ten years. Oh, like actively? No, no, just something. It, it, it's me. just wanting, but not putting out the putting it putting it really out there. Uh, last year, I did kind of make up... My my dad actually started helping. We started hiring um, job postings for different employees, which we've never done because we normally hire from friends and family. Sure. And also, I teach at Deanza College. So, I had an internship program where I bring in the students that I felt were very responsible, that wanted to be entrepreneurs, and I'd guide them through the uh, business process. Uh, but we had to step out of there because we're growing too fast. And so, we needed... A lot of people to hire and I had I typed up one for our general manager executive to take over to be a partner with the company an equity uh, partner we didn't put it out there but we might this year we'll see okay do you want to do you want to use this as advertisement to ask for sure I mean <laughs> what if anyone's interested for? in please contact <laughs> our website we'll definitely have it in our show notes yes and then uh, investors are you Raise do, you, do you have investors? Are you looking for investors? Yeah, did you, you bootstrapped it yourself initially? Yes, so, yes. And then now you're looking for? Yeah, I'm always looking for money. Yeah, <laughs> uh, investors possibly. I've been in talks with certain VCs, investment banks uh, earlier this year. Uh, right now, I'm in the process of working with a big bank that has an investment banking department that is trying to set us up for an exit. Um, there's other. Companies that I've talked to as well that are waiting for us to get to a certain level before we get take, taken to the next level. But when it comes to the banks and financing, you know, I've always found it a struggle because we're a seasonal company. So we don't show the revenues every year because we don't get paid. We're, we're net 30, so we don't get paid until January. So all of our big contracts, you know, they'll pay later on. And, you know, for food businesses, especially in the candy industry, the fourth quarter, November, December are the biggest parts of where you do the most sales. And because sometimes our finances show that we're not profitable when we are profitable, because we account on cash, not accrual. So we don't account um, we don't account for accounts receivables. Then the banks don't offer the money. But so my advice and one thing I need to do for myself is secure the money when we can early when we don't need it. Uh, for lines of credit, loans, and and so forth. Yeah, we already have uh, several lines of credit as well that we can pull from. Have you ever thought about skewing your physical year to end not December, not aligning with the calendar? That's something that we could do as well. So that at least your fourth quarter shows January or February or whatever. Or just explain to them (laughs) Uh, the nature of my business. Yeah, that's a good idea to change, uh, change our quarters. The... Explaining doesn't matter to the a lot of the banks uh, with their underwriters and so forth. So, but I mean, we do have a couple of good lines of credit, business lines that we pull from for for funding, and and we do have other people that are interested in our growth. But we're not at a point where 
they're either going to buy a merge or uh, for our, our exit out. Yeah, you, you mentioned the exiting a couple of times. Well, <laughs> it's what well, we we want to be put in a position where there is an exit option if I want to exercise that. But uh, once I had kids, my life kind of changed. So putting the energy into the business wasn't always there because I had to be there or have to for my for my children, my family. So I'm I'm going to build the company as far as I can. I'm looking for partners to help me get there for equity positions and salaries as well uh, for a potential buyout later on, merger acquisition if we go there. Um, but if it if as long as we have the opportunity, then we can make the decision as to whether or not we want to execute it when it's there or continue to do what we're doing, acquire real estate and keep growing. So I just want the options. Right. The acquiring real estate, that's a way to go, isn't it? Yes. In this area, especially. It's Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of tough, especially if you're leasing and someone else owns a building. It's It's kind of tough. So then that comes to this whole area. I mean, we're in the you're literally in the heart of Silicon Valley, right? And when you're trying to get funding, VCs understand tech, but they certainly don't understand um, candy companies or food companies. Uh, some do. There are some that are geared towards the especially food industry. Okay. Uh, but most, yeah, they're looking for a different sector. And you have a very old world product. Yes. <laughs> so it's it's not like, oh, innovative, whatever. Yeah, we have a very, we're a throwback to classic, right. classic confection, right? Do you find it hard to talk to people about that? Or you just let the product speak for itself? We let the product speak for itself. And, and like I mentioned before, uh, there are other funders, out financiers that are looking for specialty items in this, in this area. So, but again, you know, it, when you try the product, you realize there's something special to it. And that's how we've grown the company. So what is your job title? What are your responsibilities right now? So my job title, well, on LinkedIn, it's CEO, even though we're not like a big company. The reason why is because we work with Costco, we work with Safeway, we work with a lot of big companies. And they have, when I fill out the paperwork, they identify who is your CEO. You have to have a CEO. Uh, that would definitely be myself. I kind of oversee all operations, but I'm a lot more than that <laughs> because there's so many different divisions that uh, to our to our operations and it's it's just a lot of work. So I ended up doing mostly almost everything. I see many hats on top yes, of Yes, too many hats. Literally the ground up, right? I mean, you're the dishwasher, mopper, maker, business, sales, marketing, everything. Everything, yes. Yeah, I have employees that help out that do certain jobs, uh, but I definitely have to be involved in the operations part of it and oversee things to make sure everything runs smoothly right now. Is it fair to ask you uh, what an average day is like? Right now, it's not much because you know it's our off-season, but when we're in full production, it's hectic. Yeah. Because uh, I teach at DeAnza College in the mornings. And so I have a crew in here while I'm teaching uh, for manufacturing. And then on top of that, so that goes, you know, early in the morning till nighttime. Uh, on top of that, on a busy day, we'll also run another session of packaging in our other room. So we have two different things going on. And all this going on, and people will sometimes have meetings with me um, 
And so I'm kind of overseeing the operations for manufacturing, packaging, and then also dealing with all the other logistics. If there's different kind of freight orders coming in, or if we need to ship stuff out, kind of handling that as well. So are you saying you have two full-time jobs? I have one full-time job, which is the business and teaching is part-time. Okay. Yeah. Would you ever give up teaching or? Possibly. Possibly. Yeah. Or would it be possibly the other way around? Give up the business seeing so you teach full-time? No, nah, I don't know if I want to do that. Yeah. If I did, I'd miss it. Yeah. Here I am talking about exiting. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But it's, it's like what you you want what you should, what you don't have, right? Yep. Yep. Yes. Grass is always greener. And I and I do love teaching, and that's what I love about running my company is that I'm I'm dealing with the people, I'm managing the people, I'm teaching them. You know, we have a lot of training sessions going on, and that's the part about it that I love is building the culture within our company to have everyone working towards our mission. And the values of our company. Yeah, I saw that in, in the other room too. Actually, can you read that out? Yeah. R&J Toffees is committed to produce safe, high-quality products that meet all legal and regulatory requirements. It's one of our organizational commitments that our employees are supposed to understand and take to heart when they work here. I know you talk a few times about how the product speaks for itself, but let's say somebody hasn't tasted it. What would you describe the differentiator to be from other products the flavor profile would be different more of a robust flavor to the toffee the chocolate coating we use is not a real dark chocolate cocoa Uh, it doesn't have a lot of cocoa it's more of a confectioner coating and the reason why we use it is because you don't taste the chocolate you taste the toffee and that's one of the things that when we did all of our experimentation back in the days, um, that flavor profile of that style of chocolate worked best for us. So, and our ratio of toffee to chocolate is different as well. If you notice, ours is really mostly toffee, super thin layer of chocolate. And when you have too much chocolate, sometimes it overwhelms the toffee flavor, which is supposed to be highlighted. So, you'll definitely get that with our product uh, that real great flavor, the butteriness to it. And also, uh, when you have it fresh, of course, it doesn't stick to your teeth as well. It's just um, a, lo- a kind of a labor love product. And there's a lot of steps that go into the manufacturing of this product. I've had it for many years, <laughs> and I love it. There's a little pile here. I'm going to try some. So it's very, very blonde, light color, big pieces of almonds. Smells buttery. Do you still eat this yourself? I do. I, I try every batch and I, I still I still crave it. Mm. That is important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you should be passionate about your own product. Since yeah. you only have one. That's right. Yeah. Why one? Why not more? That's a good why question. Whole, why not a whole line of confections? Yeah. If you notice our name, it's RJ Toffee's <laughs> Pearl. And the whole idea was to have a whole line of different toffees made with different kinds of ingredients and we never got around to it. Oh. Is that but is there we do you think you will get around to it at some point? In time we will. So what happened is my brother actually created some other formulas, you know, with spices, with uh, coffee, teas and so forth and we we use the real ingredients with it and and some of them are just amazing. The reason why we haven't brought anything else out is because 
one, I've been running the company mostly by myself, and I've been building the infrastructure and all of our documentation controls. And it's just so much work. If we were to bring a new line and it has a different allergen, we'd have to create, have all new lines of machinery, allergen cleansing programs, and, and also all new documentation. And so that's thousands of pages of extra documents. So right now, it, we just keep it simple. You know, for the past few years, whatever we've been able to make, we've been able to sell. When it gets to a point where we can overcome that and we have all of our distribution in place, then we're going to bring out new recipes and formulas that we already have. This is classic. This is the your foundation here. Yes. Yeah, this is. And then this will get you in the door. And then whatever you bring after it, you can introduce to the, to the buyers. And- exactly. And let's talk about that. This actually has brought you into the doors. Um, specifically, let's talk about Costco, which was a huge yeah. account for you. Definitely, yes. And also brought you into the world of ISO, <laughs> HACCP plans, all that kind of stuff. Right. And when Christine and I, uh, Joel just gave us a tour of his factory, the first thing we walked into was a table full of binders and a lot of paperwork. I mean, right, it's insane, right. actually. Yeah, it's a lot. And that's part of the business that I wasn't prepared for, was the compliance division and putting together food safety plans and programs. So we're held at the same level of compliance as the big uh, the big companies like Nestle and, and all the big food manufacturers. And we have audits, third-party audits that come in uh, every year un- unannounced. They just show up. They interview the employees. They look at our books. and uh, they can go uh, several days, but for us, I think the longest is about ten hours, where they uh, review all of our documentation, look at our micro testing programs, and and go through everything. And then we have to pull recalls, traceable recalls with them as well, where they pick a random item, and we need to identify every point of distribution, hundred percent. So wow. it, it's it's a lot of work, and, and that takes yeah. up a lot of my time, which is another reason why I haven't been focusing on bringing another line out because there's so much going into this one product sure. right now. So did the, all this auditing come about, um, what, did was a law passed or did you get into a certain store or did somebody come knocking on the window some one day on the door? This mostly came from working with Costco. When I first worked with Costco a while, it's been a long time now, they had their own food safety team that came into our facility and kind of ripped us apart. We, we didn't have all the documentation in, in place and we, we were not fit for Costco. So we had to go back and redo our entire kind of infrastructure. To, you weren't even in this factory, right? No, we were in a different commercial facility. You were sharing that with other makers. Yes. As well. And that's at this point nowadays, it's going to be very difficult to get into a retailer like Costco with, with the allergens present in, in other facilities. And the food industry regulations for wholesale have been a lot more stringent lately. It's a dynamic industry that's completely, every year they're adding more and more criteria because of all the recalls going on. You know, you look at food safety, it's huge. You know, uh, just having a disgruntled employee can ruin millions of products that can go out and potentially harm other people. So in, in addition to tracing our own ingredients and our due diligence with our suppliers and our processes, we also have to have food defense program in place as well with the, the people that work for our facility. And and almost, I mean, we, there are so many different bases you need to cover 
And it's about problem shooting and not having problems show up versus focusing on having the good product. So it's preventative of anything that could go bad with your product being placed in the on the shelves. So besides Costco, you've sold through Whole Foods as well. Mm-hmm. Do you currently still do? Or Yes, yes, we do. And they are also being bought by Amazon. Have they become more stringent? Because they used to be a supporter of small businesses in the area, right? I, I used to deal direct with Whole Foods, and then I, I turned it over to a distributor. So now we have a different distributor that's um, handling our Whole Foods account. Uh, Bayside Food Group. So they're the ones that handle it. I haven't talked to them about the the buyout of Amazon and how it's changed a lot of what's going on. But I, from what I hear, it it definitely could in the in the near future change the buying process from a regional to a national level. But that's that's to be determined. So it's a huge leap to get from being a small business to the next level. Then yes. I mean, and the barrier has been. Put even higher than it's been. <laughs> right, right. So, I mean, every so, uh, retailer, they have different rules and how you deal with them. For Costco, we deal regional. And so we can't handle national. We can't handle much more than what we're doing right now, uh, especially as an artisan kind of a confection that's not mass produced on a large scale. So, so that, that works for us. Um, but for other companies, it, it, it varies. If they asked you to go national, would you be able to? Would you consider it? Possibly. Uh, I, I'd definitely like to say regional with different parts of the United States, going to Southern California. Uh, we have been approached by Costco's like in overseas and Canada. We have a lot of retailers in Canada that are interested in our product as well as Asia, uh, Australia as well. So international is definitely something that I want to go into in the in the near future i think it'd be a good market so joel how do you source your ingredients well we use mostly california source ingredients uh, we use guitar chocolates who a uh, local in berlin game uh, we get almonds from modesto area Fresno, and then sugar is in CNH. They have a plant here in California as well. And butter? From Challenge Dairy or California Dairies. So you're a 100% California product almost, or a high percentage. Yes. How come you don't have that on your packaging? (laughs) That's a good question. (laughs) James. I need to think about it. Uh, (laughs) No, we probably should. Yeah, we're uh, California. Yeah, that's a good idea. This is such beautiful packaging, mm-hmm. and I've seen you through your iteration. Oh, right. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> Little pouches. But beautiful packaging, Thank beautiful you. design. Oh, my gosh. By your cousin. Yes. yes uh-huh. And uh, yeah, I know. Isn't that ah. gorgeous? Yeah, I know. Christina is like <laughs> salivating. I open this big box, and there's a big piece of toffee in there. Yeah, big slabs. Uh, so how did you decide through your evolution of packaging, I guess? You want to kind of go through that? You started in pouches. I remember we, that. We started in these cello bags with the ribbon. And actually, we started off the company doing custom design work for people. And we launched the company with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Maria Shriver, one of their events in Sacramento. And my cousin did some designs for Sacramento State, and we did these small boxes. 
And so from there, we, we got a lot of custom orders from companies all around um, Northern California. Okay, what, wait, 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 wait. How did you start <laughs> at, at Arnold Schwarzenegger's <laughs> dinner? <laughs> like, oh, this is... Uh, so this is... At, when he was a governor. Yes, when he was governor. Uh-huh. Maria Shriver uh, was, was there. So this was for Sacramento State. They're doing an event with them with a bunch of politicians and uh, gala... Uh, getting money. So, one of our supporters is, I don't know if she still is, but she was a vice president of Sacramento State and she wanted to, she thought our product would be perfect. And um, we, you said like, uh, we do everything, we all the ingredients are from California. <laughs> right. And she's, she's known our product for a while as well. And so, that's how we started doing custom and it, it's so hard. Making yes, just making these small boxes is too much work, yeah. and so then we changed it to these bags with ribbon, and that's just too labor intensive to tie the ribbon and to put these little inserts in there with every single one of them. So then we went to pouches, which is a lot easier, but didn't look as polished. And also the whole time that we're doing this, you know, I've been also working with Costco, and and they have their idea of what they want, and so some of these designs were made for Costco. Uh, for example, this box right here, the blue box, I, uh, uh, James and I, we, just, we worked on this for our one pound gift box that was going to go to Costco, but the buyers didn't like it. So they went with a, a different one where you, you can have a window so you can see the product. Right. I know. They always want to see the product. Yes. Especially if we're not a brand where people don't know our product, they definitely want to see the product. So they gave me some ideas and showed me some samples of what they're looking for. And and we created a tent box for them. And one vacation in Napa Valley, I was looking at a gourmet food shop and I saw these uh, spaghetti boxes that look like this right here. Oh. And so I took pictures. A yellow and blue box. Yes. These are ones that we use in specialty markets like Whole Foods, uh, Andronico's and, and so forth. And I kind of got the design and I, I spec'd it out. And then I talked with James about redoing it and mimicking the spaghetti box that we we found and that's how we created this one right here ah, inspiration from shopping yes so it's packaged in the toffee is actually packaged inside and then you have a clear window on the front to be able to see yeah and yes. it's vertical too yes and, and another thing that i did is i worked with one of the whole foods specialty team leaders to see merchandising what made sense and so I, I actually gave him some boxes to play around with to make sure that this would be something that would be good to merchandise on the island where they have all the chocolate. Yeah, because it's tall. Exactly. And, you know, so that's always kind and of. And it's more compact. Concern. And so it's easier uh, to merchandise as well than those bulky bags that we had before, uh, the pouches that we had before. So Costco and Whole Foods, they were really helpful in the evolution of your packaging. I mean, they, they have been. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And do you feel they'll still do that now, even for other small businesses? I, mean, I think so. Yeah, I, I, I do. Costco, they really work with their suppliers, their vendors. As long as you do your due diligence and your part, they will help you. And they've been great. And, and that's how we've been able to build our company uh, with putting together the food safety programs that are changing every single year. I mean, there's new criteria added every year. Uh, that and also, you know, they will introduce you to new suppliers as well if you're looking to maybe to outsource production or ingredients. 
Right. Or if you need uh, new suppliers, you know, they're very helpful for businesses. I know Costco is a big account for you, but they aren't your biggest account, are they? They're not our biggest account. And we definitely diversify what we're doing. We, We have a lot of distribution with especially food markets right now. And in addition, the majority of what we do is direct sales mm-hmm. of our online and also our festival programs that we do coming up this summer. So every weekend, we're going to be doing different events. Uh, we do sometimes multiple events on weekends at you know different festivals throughout the Bay Area. And, and yeah, that's been a great source for us as well. The reason why I think we were talking about Costco not being the biggest account for you is because they've also learned in their past from buying from other small companies that if they ever took away their business, they could actually take out a company, right? Possibly. I mean, it's uh, Costco's a powerhouse. You know, there's nothing like it for distribution. And for a company to rely solely on one account, it's not just Costco. If, uh, if a company got into all the Safeways nationally and then they they beefed up the manufacturing, they bought a new facility, and same thing with Costco, which, which is very viable to happen for a company because when you expand, you're going to expand big. And if you don't have the finances in place to support your overhead costs, or if you lose the account, if it makes up too much of your revenues, then it, it'll definitely put you under or put you in a bad position. So if you lose the Costco account for yourself right now, you feel it hurts, of yes. course, you know, because there's still a big portion, but it won't it will not take you into bankruptcy. No, no, right? definitely not. Okay. No, we have too many other accounts right now to balance out everything and support what we're doing and and, they and our growth. It. And they require it. Oh yeah, that, that's part of their um part of them being responsible as well is to not put companies in this position. And it's actually, it's a really good thing. And I don't think companies should have one account that's making up too much of the revenues. And so finding that balance is very important. I see on a lot of your social media that you have, uh, you're, you're doing a partnership with Woot. Right. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So we, we do some Woots and that's one of the Amazon companies that represent a specialty division with wines and, and different specialty foods. So that's been great as well. You know, for a 24 hour period or for some, it goes even longer for a full week. They offer special bundle deals with our product and people can get it at discount price. And so that's actually been a pretty, a pretty good account for us. And there's people, it's good exposure because we get orders from all over the United States. Uh, for people that probably have never even heard of our brand. So you probably take a little bit less um, of a margin for that, for uh, the, for the mar- marketing opportunity. Yeah, a, a little bit, a little bit. I think with most of these accounts that you're selling wholesale, you're going to give up some of the margin. So for us, we are going more on volume. It's kind of bundling all of our accounts together where we can discount prices. But compared to when we started, our margins are not as healthy compared to when we started doing direct sales only. Mm. And as we started going into wholesale, you know, your margins slim up, but we, we increase volume by, you know, four or five times or, or 10 times right. what we're doing before. That's the perfect plan. So when you're working with somebody like Woot, do you tell them there's a limit to how much you're willing to sell or? Yes. Yeah, so once, 
they hit a certain amount, then it's sold out. And so we, we don't we don't overcommit to it. So when you pick up your Costco account, you are in a different commercial kitchen, commissary kitchen. Uh, when did you make the decision to move into your own factory? I made the decision when we were getting kicked out. Oh, okay. <laughs> so they they gave us a certain amount of time that we had to be out of their facility because they were expanding and growing as well. And so... At that, we were also at a point where we needed our own facility. So, it, in a way, it was kind of a blessing at the same time because it forced us to to look for something new. You know, originally I wanted to get a warehouse. I was looking at purchasing a warehouse here in San Jose or in Morgan Hill, and then building it out into well, what we're going to need for manufacturing. But putting that together, everything that we're going to need putting together a timeline, considering permits, it may take too long for us to do this and we may lose accounts. Uh, so luckily there was one on the market, a catering company that had everything in place. They have all the build outs here. Uh, we just had to do little touch ups here and there and we purchased it and kind of made it into what it is over here with all of our processes. Like, so the stars aligned for you. Yes. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Everything worked out. And the market wasn't crazy like it is right now with commercial real estate here in San Jose. So we we're able to to purchase at a, at a decent price. But hey, it's someday you will grow out of this space too. We are kind of at that point already. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, but it's just, we can manufacture it here if we, you know, increase our production, maybe do 24-hour cycles or get more lines of machinery, but we can't warehouse it at our facility because we're going to max out too fast. So now it's a matter of finding uh, partners for cold storage warehouse where we can make it here because we have everything already set up and we have all the permits and all the documentation in, in place here. And then we can get a package and then uh, freight it to a cold storage location for distribution. Hopefully they have all their paperwork in. Yes. Awesome. Yes, definitely. Uh, Did you ever consider co-packers? We actually started with co-packers and we worked with some big companies and they could not manufacture it. They couldn't make it the way we wanted it. It just did not taste the same. It, it turned into something that you'd see, I guess, a normal item on the shelves that wasn't unique. The flavor wasn't there. They weren't willing to do what our processes because they have their own ways of doing it based on their um, their machinery. So you actually did go ahead and let a co-packer produce? We did. We had a couple, a number of them actually manufactured for us and we did not like the product. Oh. So we had to take a step back and then we ended up doing it ourselves. And that's how we, and that was in the beginning. That's interesting. You kind of went reverse because a lot of people, when they grow, they want to go to a co-packer, but you valued the quality of your product over... Yes. Almost ease, right? Right. Totally. Uh, and then our processes are a lot more complex than what other uh, manufacturers would do. So, yeah, it, we weren't able to find the right fit. And I've, I've talked to other companies that are you know very large companies. And one of the issues is we may be their competitor within right. the marketplace. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that, that uh, puts us out of kind of a conflict. So we continue to manufacture ourselves, maintain control, and and don't lose you know what got us where we are right now, and and to keep uh, all of our customers happy with our quality. 
So let me ask you on the other side, would you co-pack for somebody? Yes. Yeah, we, we do some private label. Uh, we've been asked to do some co-packing as well from some large manufacturers. But again, it has to do with allergens. If they have something that doesn't align with us as a new allergen, I don't want to introduce that into our facility without all the measures in place to take over the allergen cleanings and so forth. And, and that'd be a whole new set of documentation. Right. But yes, to answer your question, you know, we would co-pack for others. Would you consider retail shops? Possibly. I, I never have considered it because I don't know anything about retail shops. That's interesting. Yeah. If, I mean, that's, that's a good question. At this point right now, probably not only because I only know what I'm doing, which is building the manufacturing, but I'm not going to rule it out. I'm always open for almost anything. If I find the right partner with the right business model in place and possibly. What about advice for somebody starting a food business? (laughs) (laughs) Advice. Do your research before you go into the business. And also realize that what you love about the making process may change once it becomes your job. And it to, to also look at the changing dynamics of food safety within the industry. Because once you get in and you start expanding, you're going to have to keep up with the, the dynamic processes of the FDA and the different regulations. There's a lot more goes into seeing a product on a shelf than people realize. And so if they know what they're getting themselves into by creating documentation control programs and everything to get a product on the market, then I'd say go for it. Give it a shot. Um, but I, I think people should do their homework before they they go into investing a lot of time and money into something like this. Because it's a lot of work. I think as we all know, right? If you knew what you know now, I mean, through all that paperwork that you have to go through, and it's not really all about the creative side and, you know, the beauty of your toffee, would you have started your business now? No, I probably would not have. And and also, it's not just that, it's also me doing it by myself. Yeah. 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 So we're at a point now where we have so much momentum with the company that it's it's a, it's a it's its own entity and now i'm kind of running the operations and it's a lot of work if i had a partner to take over certain parts of our company it'd be a lot easier for myself and my family but the amount of work that went into creating what we have now i i can't see myself doing this with a family so it's a good thing it happened when it did yes right I mean, things aligned for you. I mean, that was... They the, did. I mean, so did you felt it was luck or it was just fate, luck, whatever it is, or is it, you know... It's a little bit of both. It's uh, preparation meets luck is being being there and then taking advantage of the opportunities that come our way because we are prepared and have done our due diligence. So I think as long as you stay focused on doing things right and what I believe by principles, eventually your opportunities will show up. You just got to take them. Any other lessons you want to share with people who might be listening who want to start their food businesses? Lessons? Yeah. It, growing big doesn't mean profitable. A lot of times people look at some of these big companies and think, oh, I wish I were like that. I was in that position. When you talk to these people, and I've known some companies going from maybe a million to hundred million, where they realize their margins are just so slim when they grow so big. 
that they're a lot more profitable when they're making a million dollars. So it, it's it also determine uh, it depends on what kind of lifestyle you're looking for. So if you're trying to have a lifestyle company that's going to finance you, you need to change your business model. You know, you can't go for maybe huge volume where you're making thin margins. You need to change it to a direct kind of a sales where you can get cash right away, where you're getting you know seventy five percent margins or and that will finance you. If you're looking for an exit or a buyout, then you need to change your approach to maybe expanding into more distribution where the big companies are looking for. So having that idea of where you want to be will make the difference in terms of the direction to take a company. So I would say be clear on what you want would be my advice. And then execute. So this part of the interview we have for you, Joel, is our rapid fire. Kind of fun question so people kind of know about you. Maybe a little silly or whatever it is. Don't think about it. All right. Make me nervous. <laughs> What's your favorite meal? Sushi. Really good sushi. Oh, where's your favorite really good sushi? Yeah. Well, it's no, it doesn't exist anymore. It was in Southern California. Uh, it was Chef Nara over in Chino Hills. Oh. Yeah, so he sold the business, but when he knew that I was going to come in with my friends, he would go to the fish market and hand select the best stuff. What? And, <laughs> and then he'd make us, we just tell him whatever you want to make us and he get creative every single time. We'd hire something we'd never tried and it's amazing. Oh. Nothing like that around here, huh? I haven't found the right chef. No. Okay. It's, a, it's about the relationship with the chef. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what color is your toothbrush, Joel? <laughs> <laughs> It's white and teal. Awesome. You remember. I know. I just used it this morning. <laughs> That's good to know you have hygiene. <laughs> okay. If you were in a food eating contest, what food would you choose to eat to win? Hot dogs. Ah, really? Yeah. Okay. Are you, you, you sound like you have some experience. You've thought of this. No, I just love hot dogs. Oh. And, and when I watch the hot dog eating contest. Fourth of July. It, it's, it's sickening, but at the same time, it makes you want to eat hot dogs. <laughs> oh, and also, in the past history, Japanese have been good at it. <laughs> <laughs> but not anymore. But it, I think it would probably be hot dogs. Well, what do you think your strategy would be? Are you a separate bun and dog? And are you a dipper? <laughs> Mine is whatever it takes to get it down the fastest. So it'd be whatever process works. So maybe the the dog first and then uh, dipping it. Yeah. I'd have to experiment, which I I don't want to do right now. <laughs> if you had one superpower, what would it be? Probably like Xavier, where I can go into people's minds and understand what's going on with everyone within the world. Interesting. So you want to understand people better. Well, I, uh, that's why I went into communications. Oh. Yeah. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. What is your favorite junk food? A McDonald's double quarter pounder with cheese and fries. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I, oh. I actually really love McDonald's. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Hamburger or taco? I think we already know the answer. No. Uh, oh. Taco. Oh, okay. Wow. You just... Yeah. I, I love the hamburgers from McDonald's. Or the the double quarter pounder with cheese is not nothing else, but <laughs> you're not I, an I, in and out either. That's interesting. I do like in and out, but I, I actually feel the the flavor profile of McDonald's is better. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love tacos. The tacos still win with that. the crunchy shell, not soft tacos. It has to oh. be crunchy shell. 
and and classic filling, right? Ground. Yes, beef. classic filling. Okay, interesting. Pancake or waffle? Waffles. Oh. Ice cream cones or shaved ice. Shaved ice. Mm, she I, knew that much. Well, I, I'm lactose intolerant, <laughs> so I can't. Oh. Oh. No, or lactose-free ice cream. No, shaved ice. Definitely okay. shaved ice. <laughs> Big party or small gathering? For me, it'd probably be small gathering. City or countryside? Countryside right now. Before when I was younger, it'd be city. Uh-huh. Winter or Summer. Summer. I, I like winter also. Have you ever actually experienced a real winter? Like a snow? Yeah, snow through a whole season. Not through a whole season. Because no. you're a California boy. Yeah, I am. I am. I, I've, been, I've been to Tahoe. <laughs> <laughs> Cal- and that's no. fun. I, you know, I went you know, going snowboarding. I, I do love winter, but if I were to live through, it, it, it'd definitely be summer. I, I can't take the cold. Okay. But I love being in the snow. When you go on vacation, yeah, yes, ninjas or pirates. <laughs> uh, so that's just funny because that's what we're dealing with with my son Jace. He's so addicted to pirates right now. But for me, it'd be ninjas. <laughs> I'm definitely ninja for myself. Uh, I, although I am into pirates because we listen to Pirates of the Caribbean soundtrack every morning with my son. He's always drawing pictures of them. He's absolutely obsessed with them. He used to be obsessed with trains. Now it's pirate ships and pirates. Mm. Um, but for me, I've always wanted to be a ninja. Well, since I've been a little kid, I had ninja stars, nunchucks. I used to have ninja outfits, like real ones. Wow. And claws that you can climb up trees and all that. Okay. So that was easy for him. For no me. brainer. Yeah. What inspires you? Right now, at this point in my life, it's my family that inspires me. When I was younger, it was making a difference and doing something that I can be remembered by, but that's changed. I still want to, but my focus is now on family. And that's my inspiration. Does your kids make you see things through a different light? It does. You know, what's funny is, you know, I teach at a college and I have a lot of students will talk about when they had their kids, it changed them. They wanted to straighten up their lives and, and do different things. The same thing with me, but when I had kids, it changed me to slow down. I was too focused on achieving and goal setting. And then when I had kids, it forced me to slow down and spend time with them and to realize that there's more to life than achieving things, you know, or building something. It's, it's, the, it's their development. I think that's what inspires me right now. And making sure that they become good, good people. Yeah, and keeping my wife happy. (laughs) Good job. (laughs) Make sure that's in there. Oh my goodness! Thanks so much, Joel. Yeah, thank you for coming out. Thank you. Yeah, for doing this interview. You can find the toffees at rjtoffees.com. Thank you for listening to Less Rap with Christine and Tammy. Thank you to our editor and producer, Jason Anthony Guy. If you like our show, tell a friend. Ask them to subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Take it away, Joel. It's a wrap.